Asia Pacific currents. News and labour issues from the Asia Pacific region. We strongly condemn the, the police that arrest uh, the protesters. Saturday mornings at nine o'clock on Community Radio 3CR. What news of the world should unite to fight this greedy capitalist? Brought to you by Australia Asia Worker Links. Good morning and welcome to Asia Pacific Currents. This Saturday, the... Look, I never get the date right, so I'm not even going to try. Do we think the, it's the 29th? It's the 26th of uh, August. Oh, 26th. Oh, why, I knew. I was close. Close. That's why you have me here. Oh, why? Thank not you. Not only that, to let you know about the weather forecast in Melbourne, well, which is cloudy and actor, cool. Whoa, 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 whoa. Shush. Oh. Ready? Time now for Piers Weather Report, according to personal feelings and observations, and definitely not based on any science. Spoken by C. Benito and definitely not endorsed by the Bureau of Meteorology. Tell us about the weather, Pierre. I think that is a total defamation of my name, given that I do have a science degree back in the olden days. But, but you're yes. not basing your science rep- uh, your weather report on science. You're it's basing it on and personal feelings. Cloudy and cool out there, Giselle. Let's just hear true. the introduction to your weather report one more time. Here we go. Time now for Piers Weather Report, according to personal feelings and observations, and definitely not based on any science. Spoken by C. Benito and definitely not endorsed by the Bureau of Meteorology. Definitely not endorsed by the um, Bureau of Meteorology. We just need to make that clear, listeners. So we believe that it's cloudy. We believe that it's cloudy. We're just not sure. Thank you for that, uh, Giselle. Now, in case some of the... Uh, anyway, I'm Pierre. And in case some of the listeners think... Oh, Asia Pacific Currents become the weather report. Maybe the comedy show. Uh, must be a bit too early for Giselle this morning, but you know these youngsters, just you know, discipline, etc., etc. I think it's outrageous. I'm still called a youngster. I, I have aged since we started. Yes, but you see, that's the that's the beauty of getting older. More and more people become younger in relative to you. All right. Well, let's tell listeners what's coming up. Uh, yes. In the second part of the program, uh, we're going to hear from Shek Puyin. Um, she is a student activist um, and a part of the Umbrella Movement in Hong Kong. And she's talking about the recent crackdown and repression in Hong Kong that we've seen, which to many observers um, in Australia looks very sudden and looks very strange. So uh, we'll talk to Shek Puyin in the second part of the show about the developments in Hong Kong. But of course, time now for news from around the region. And who brings you Asia Pacific oh, Currents? Oh, those though, detail. I got right. so caught up in the weather. Uh, that's right. That's <laughs> right. I'm sure you can remember these, Giselle, since you're the youngster. Uh, you are listening to Asia Pacific Currents, which is brought to you by Australia Asia Worker Links. And if you do want to get in touch with us, you can find us on the web, all the w's.aawl.org.au. We're on Facebook and Twitter, so find us on those social media platforms. And if you are so brave as to try to ring us, you can on nine double six three seven two double seven. Generally, only if you're based in Melbourne. Okay, so let's go to the labour update after a bit of that uh, bit of relaxed introduction. Really, unfortunately, we do have uh, some uh, very serious news to bring in. Our first item comes from West Papua, where um, last Saturday clashes broke out broke out at the giant Freeport Grasberg mine in the highlands of West Papua, Indonesia, after um, as a, a dispute uh, has now entered the third or the fourth month. Basically, what's happened, hundreds of striking mine workers blocked 
entrances to the mine in an attempt to stop production and force the company to negotiate with them. The police and security guards were brought in and several miners were injured via rubber bullets and other injuries um, that we're um, not too sure. We don't actually have the number of how many were, um, were injured. The local police chief has now stated that army will be deployed to maintain order. Now, the interesting thing about the report that we've had is that this blockade was carried out by empl- direct employees and contractors and was actually not by the um, union members of the union there at uh, the Freeport uh, McGregor mine. Now, this dispute has been going on for quite the latest dispute going on for a number of months. Over 4,000 workers um, have been fired and there is a strike going on. The, the situation is, is really at a crisis point because also uh, all the families that depend on those workers now don't have any more income. And, um, the, and the report says that because of the social crisis, several people are believed to have died due to health and welfare-related issues. Um, of course, this is not the first time there's been massive demonstrations there. And just to give also a bit of a context to um, to listeners, and I can see, Giselle, you want to say a few things. Um, the, the mine is actually around 3,500 to 4,000 metres. It is incredibly isolated, but it does employ 12,000 workers. So it is a huge conglomerate. It it's reminiscent of the um, South Africa lawn mine lawnman dispute. Um, which uh, the the um, the one where the the, the strikers got Maricana Maricana. Um, it's reminiscent of that, particularly with the intersection of the. Um, the social struggles as well. Um, but the other thing to remember about um, Freeport is um, for even in the 2011 strike, the um, the workers internationalised that struggle, um, did connect with, did raise demands and did share demands with other um, Rio Tinto mines across the world. Um, that's right. And I think um, it's actually their demands, I have to say, were startling, startling in, in, in their clarity. Uh, and I'm, I'm actually surprised that um, it hasn't had greater resonance around the world because what they actually claimed was very simple. They said, we are uh, employed by Rio Tinto, uh, Freeport, and we produce just as much as everyone else around the world. So we want to be paid exactly the same amount of money and have exactly the same conditions, which uh, as a trade unionist, I would go, yes, fine, no, no, <laughs> no problem. Well, that's right. I mean, it... I mean, Rio Tinto is making profits out of that at the at an equal rate, but the exploitation is at a much greater rate in um, West Papua for no other reason than they're West Papuans. <laughs> That's right. Anyway, let's go to the moving next. to yeah, moving to Myanmar. Earlier this month, on the eighth of August, that was the twenty ninth anniversary of the uprising in nineteen eighty eight against the military dictatorship that was ruling the country. While that uprising was repressed, the fight against repression has continued. The new democratically elected government has not fulfilled people's expectations, with human rights abuses still widespread in the country. These can be seen in the continuation of the ethnic cleansing of the Rohingya people, the various wars against ethnic minorities and the targeting of workers. 
The military's ability to use its political and economic influence is seen as the main problem facing human rights and labour activists in Myanmar. That, that's right, and um, that's an ongoing issue, unfortunately. We now go uh, to nearby to Cambodia, where um, over 200 workers from the Chung Fai Knitwear factory in Cambodia that have been fighting for over a year to get the wages and entitlements back after the factory unexpe- unexpectedly closed down in July 2016. The male and female workers have uh, remained steadfast in their quest for justice. Their campaign has become internationally progressively more late Labor groups supporting their demands. There is an international petition for activists to sign on, while the group Clean Clothes campaign is also coordinating an international response. And you'll be able to go to our website to see those links from tomorrow. In Bangladesh, earlier this week, more than 50 garment workers were injured when their demonstration was attacked by hired thugs. One of their activists was also kidnapped and only released hours later. The workers, employed by the Haesong Company, had been taking action in support of their demands for the payment of leave entitlements from earlier in the year. Unfortunately, this violence was not a random event, as many companies pay for thugs to harass, intimidate and attack workers. The employer's aim is to suppress workers' ability to achieve a living wage and a safe working environment. And I think the interesting that... that um, that um, story is just how common that kind of blatant. It's not just you know one person in a picket line gets beaten up. Just a, over fifty were beaten up by paid thugs, and how often that happens, and how routine and how underreported that is. Do you know it? It says to me a lot more about um, the difference between activity. You know, because the Bangladeshi Union Movement is very active. They mm. they do a lot of stuff and power. They do a lot, but they are so heavily repressed because actually the Union Movement lacks power. Whereas in Australia, and I hear lots of very, very good trade unionists and activists and leftists and socialists complain and lament about the Australian Labor Movement because it looks um, – like it's not doing anything and like it's not fighting. But actually, despite that, it has a lot of power because, I mean, it's just not... Historical power that it has built up, yes. Yeah. I mean, other than the police force, and we're seeing Victoria Police growing with power and, you know, being Mm. more likely to to actually physically assault us at those demonstrations, that massive hired thugs, that doesn't happen in this country. That is a result of our labour movement and our struggle. I think that's a that's a very good point. That's right. It's our it's our inherent or potential strength that actually stops that. Uh, we now go to West Asia, where um, another town is facing annihilation in the ongoing wars there. The western Syrian town of Raqqa is the latest urban settlement to face massive bombardment after Aleppo and Mosul in Iraq. Aleppo was in Syria. Amid ongoing calls for civilian evacuation from international human rights agencies, uh, and the United Nations and media reports on the brutality of the war. The working class communities of Raqqa are now trapped amid bombardments from all sides. The situation inside Raqqa is becoming increasingly desperate with the city slowly being pulverised. Once again, workers and their families are the main victims of these intra-imperialist wars. 
And now in Kazakhstan, uh, arrest, a conviction of a um, trade unionist. At the end of July 2017, a Kazakhstan court convicted the chairwoman of the Confederation of Independent Trade Unions. Uh, Her name's Larissa Karkova. She's been sentenced to four years of restriction on freedom of movement and disqualification from elected leadership functions in the unions for five years. Earlier, the vice chairman of the same union, the Confederation of Independent Trade Unions, Nurbeer Kushakbev, and the leader of the union at the oil construction company plant, Amin Elusinov, they were both sentenced to prison terms. There is an industrial campaign calling for uh, the Kazakhstan government to stop anti-union repression, and we'll give you those details on our website. That's right. And as our last um, item, uh, we go to South Korea, where the um, after effects of the massive mobilizations uh, of workers over uh, the last year against the president have are still reverberating because uh, this week um, the acting um, um, the acting chairman of Samsung Corporation, one of the biggest company in um, in uh, South Korea, uh, Lee J. Yong, who's a, a, a billionaire himself, was sentenced to five years in prison for crimes, including uh, offering bribes and perjury. Um, Lee is actually South Korea's third richest man. He was very close to uh, to the deposed South Korean President Park Jun-hee, um, and his um, his scandal and his bribery in his case is seen as very much connected to the whole political upheaval that's happening in South Korea. And the important thing is that trials like these and convictions like these don't actually happen in a vacuum. They're actually very much of the result of the huge working class mobilization of South Korea in the um, in the last um, two, three years. And of course, he's actually, he was the acting chairman because the previous chairman also had to resign because of corruption scandals and other issues. Now, before you go, I can see you just about to go there. One uh, stop press, I think, because I saw it late last night, and I, I'm afraid, uh, comrades, I do not speak Hindi, but I, I did see some news report that would seem to indicate that the Anganawadi health workers have won their dispute. Have won their dispute. Oh, now, wow, I that's... don't want to call it yet, mm. but from the images and the post, it looked like they had some major, which would be fantastic. Yeah, because by now they will have been on strike for two and a half months, I think, because two weeks ago we reported 45 days. Yeah, yeah. So I'm, I'm putting that... F- out there, comrades, I can't, but we'll certainly confirm it next week. If they did, it would be fantastic. It is 16 minutes past nine o'clock here on Community Radio 3CR. You're listening to Asia Pacific Currents with Giselle and Pierre. We're going to go to some community announcements and then our interview with Shek Puyin. Hello, I'm Vadram from the Yolta Collective and you're listening to 3CR Community Radio A55 AM or streaming for 3cr.org.eu. Cheers.
The Independent and Peaceful Australia Network presents War, Peace and Independence, Keep Australia Out of US Wars. Amidst an escalating threat of another major war breaking out, this timely conference will be held in Melbourne from the 8th to the 10th of September. The conference will address the struggle against US bases, drone warfare, peace as union business, US political and military influence and much more. For details and bookings, head to ipan.org.au or go to the Independent and Peaceful Australia Network's Facebook page, a 3CR supporter. It's 18 minutes past nine o'clock here on Community Radio 3CR. This is Asia Pacific Currents. On the 15th of August 2017, 16 activists were sentenced to between 8 and 13 months imprisonment by the Hong Kong government for protesting in 2014 against the controversial Northeast New Territories Development Plan. Moreover, young activists from Umbrella from the Umbrella Movement, which is the pro-democracy movement in Hong Kong, and other movements are also facing high risks of disproportionately harsh sentences at upcoming trials. To talk about the what seems like a recent crackdown and increase in repression against Hong Kong activists, Shek Pui Yin. She's a student activist and a part of the Umbrella Movement in Hong Kong. She starts this interview by actually introducing herself and the organisation that she's from. Um, I'm Puyin. I was one of the core members of Hong Kong Student Federation during the Umbrella Movement. In 2004, we organized a student strike and protest which led to the Umbrella Movement. But now um, many of us are being charged or even jailed. And there seems to be an increased level of repression against activists in Hong Kong. But from where we are sitting in Australia, it looks like it emerged very suddenly. Firstly, let's get some context. Tell me about the recent court decisions. Um, to begin with, maybe I can start with the last week. Um, last week, there are 16 activists in total. They were put into jail for 6 to 13 months. Um, 14 of them who tried to protest against the controversial North is New Territories Development Proposal, and they have been convicted for illegal assembly as the Legislative Council. And three other three of them, they have been convicted for illegal assembly as Pacific Square in September 20, 2014. Illegal assembly in Pacific Square is triggered, and uh, they triggered the 70, 79 days occupying movements. But there were some other. Um that, so mm-hmm. that was in relation to the Umbrella Movement, but yeah. there was also some charges in relation to the Occupy Movement and some other anti-government policy campaigns, maybe three to four years ago. Can you tell me a little bit about those um, crackdowns and why have these charges come up now? Um, yes, these cases were already three years ago, ago and all of them are were sentenced to community service in 2006 and all of them had completed community service already. However, the Department of Justice, who, which represents the government, the Hong Kong government, they um, applied for a review of the sentence last few months ago. They argue that the defendant's actions are, are close to rails, so they demanded the court to jail them all. But very sadly, 
um, the appeal for have success. The Court of Appeal has given Cheryl sentence to 16 activists from 6 months to 30 months. How do you analyse the recent crackdown on activists? Um, this is not only the crackdown on activists, but also a crackdown on the legal system in Hong Kong. Although Hong Kong does not have a general democratic system, but our legal system are well established. Um, in the past, Hong Kong people do believe the courts are fair and just, but apparently the courts are now controlled by the Beijing government and they try to um, use jail or imprisonment to repress all Hong Kong activists. This kind of repression can be seen elsewhere in the region. We see it in mainland China. We're seeing it in the Philippines, Malaysia, Turkey, North and South Korea. Do you think there is a connection between these uh, crackdowns on activists across the region? Yes, I do think there are there is a connection, especially um, the connection between China and Hong Kong. Um, both places are under the rule of Beijing governments, and we can see that after Xi, Xi Jinping became the president of China, the repression are more serious. Um, we can see that Xi oppressed the activists in China, like um, oh, we all know New Xiaobo and the civil society in China are more um, loose right now because of the oppressed. So I think um, when the Beijing, um, when Xi Jinping he is oppressing um, the civic, this civil society in China, he also wants to try to oppress the civil society and activists in Hong Kong. And we are seeing some pretty serious moves towards war. Repressing resistance now might be a way to curb any burgeoning anti-war movement. Do you think this is a possibility? Um, I'm not so sure, but in Hong Kong context, I don't think um, this is um, a main agenda or reason for the government's suppression of civil society. There will obviously need to be some organised resistance to this pressure. What are activists proposing? Um, actually, we just organised a dem- demonstration yesterday, uh, which we left more than 10,000 people attend. I think um, this is one of the largest demonstrations after umbrella movements. I believe there will be more and more people who are willing to stand up for the social movements in the future. And how has the international community been responding to the increased repression in Hong Kong? Um, I've noticed that international media have echoed towards the recent sentence. And and also, um, in Taiwan society, they they really um, give a lot of support to us. They... um, the Taiwan activists, they hold press conference and action to express support to um, Hong Kong people, especially for the um, people who are put into jail. And I think um, this they, they urge people attention for anti-unjust and developments in Hong Kong. What are you calling on supporters to do in solidarity with activists in Hong Kong? Um, we had a demonstration yesterday, and and we are working a lot on how to uh, work, uh, how to give some support on with those um, 
with those activists like writing letters to them and giving support to their friends. Well, thank you so much for your time on the program today. Is there anything you want to add to the discussion? I really hope that Australian people can pay more attention to Hong Kong situation and give more support to us. That was Shek Pui Yin, a student activist from Hong Kong, and she is originally, well, still a part of the umbrella pro-democracy movement in Hong Kong. Pierre, thoughts on that? Um, Look, I think that it's the whole Hong Kong space. I think um, it's really a very different political, economic, social space than what we're used to in many places around the Asia-Pacific region, just because it's this special territory and it has more freedom for labor organizing and civil rights organizing and has contacts into mainland China, which, again, is a very different space. And in many ways, um, let's face it, um, the Chinese working class is probably the biggest in the world. It is the world's factory. And as a trade union movement, it's probably the most under uh, analyzed and under um, linked working class movement that we have in the world. We have, though, been talking about some n- noticeably increases in activity in the Chinese working class in resistance to uh, the repression that they are experiencing. I mean, we haven't done a great deal on understand- understanding around a lot, at least on air, the AC... Uh, but, the, but there are real difficulties. The All-China Federation of Trade Unions, I mean, which we would probably call a yellow union, um, but we are seeing organising outside of the ACFTU. That's right. And <clears throat> and the role of uh, Hong Kong and the connections of it, and of course, I think it was uh, two years ago, there was that huge dock workers strike in Hong Kong, which was which was massive, you know, and, um, and the interesting thing was that and again it shows why we need to um, organize internationally most of the trade was just shifted to Shenzhen, Shenzhen and Shanghai ports which undercut the you know the power of dock workers and I have heard that some um, contacts were made between the dock workers in different ports but of course organizing in China as Manuel Lisuna is very different And I'm going to say something controversial about the pro-democracy movement in Hong Kong as well. Um, It it is – there is an analysis that says it is a little bit right-wing. Now, there's no doubt that we want democracy for Chinese workers and for um, those in Hong Kong and Hong Kong workers and so on, and we definitely want to open up democratic space to resist repression. However, the flavour – and I'm not – I mean, the flavour of it was very anti-China and anti, well, communism almost. Now, we can talk about all the problems with Chinese communism, but there is possibly a different kind of positioning for the pro-democracy struggle in Hong Kong that wasn't what we saw. That's right. And I think... um Look, it's 29 past 9 o'clock, Giselle. That's yeah, a... answer the big questions in the last two minutes of the show. <laughs> One minute, you mean. Look, I think they're very, very, very important points and it really leads to the dynamics of 
of social, political, economic struggles, and also where they're, they're situated and how they, they, they come up. So I think it could be a questions for a future radio program. Giselle, I think that would be really nice. And on that note, listener, we are at the end of Asia Pacific Currents for another Saturday morning. Thank you so much for listening. I'm Giselle Hanna. And I'm Pierre Mora. And we'll be back next week with another brilliant show of Asia Pacific Currents, including weather reports. But please <laughs> stay tuned to 3CR, your favourite radio Pro, uh, program station to Palestine Remembered. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.